Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shockley alongside my man, Scotty D. Thank you again for checking us out, man. We appreciate it every single week. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to keep saying it because we appreciate you checking us out this week on the Triple Threat Podcast. Scotty D has joined me, of course. Scotty D, say what's up to the peeps. See, Scotty D right now is still working through the mute on his Zoom. We've only done... <laughs> We've only done 20 some odd uh, podcasts and he still gets caught on his Zoom. So I'll say it again, Scotty D, how are you doing now? Unmuted. What is up? It is Triple Threat <laughs> Thursday. What's going on? <laughs> All good, brother. All good. Uh, things are going well. I'm excited about uh, our guest today. I told mm-hmm. you last week we was going to have another good guest and this week we do. We've got my man, my guy who... I went to Georgia with, we were in the same recruiting class. Now he's doing outstanding things on ESPN. My man, David Pollock is going to join the show and all, oh, man, I got so much to ask my man Pollock. We're going to obviously talk about game day. We're going to talk about the national championship game. I'm going to ask him how he even got started in the broadcast world and where he's at now. And then of course, got to ask him about some of the stuff that he's overcome. And we all know he had to leave the game of football because of injury. And I ask him all about that. So we got a lot to talk about with my man Pollock coming up here pretty soon. So uh, stay tuned for that, man. Other than that, Scotty D, how was your new year, man? How, how did you bring in uh, 2021? Uh, not, you know, pretty, pretty low key considering the times we're in, you know, I didn't go to Times Square and watch the, the ball drop or anything, but uh, it was, it was, it was low key. We got together with a small group and then, then it happened. Nice, 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 nice. I mean, when you get together, I mean, you know, you got to have a little family time. Everybody have yeah. a, uh, a, a good chance of just bringing the new year together. So uh, respect that. We did the same thing, me and the kids and the wife. We literally sat here and, you know, my wife gave the kids some apple cider and had their, their champagne glass ready to go. And yeah. uh, we all toasted uh, as the, you know, the peach dropped down and uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, we, we had a good 2021, man. So uh, it's an exciting week, man. We got a lot going on. Uh, we got playoffs this weekend, mm-hmm. football in the NFL. You got three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. So a lot of football to be played. And then, of course, the national championship game is upon us on Monday night, Alabama versus Ohio State. Uh, before we jump into any of that stuff going on, Scotty D, this weekend. Yeah. Game you're looking forward to watching, man. Well, what's the one game of the weekend that you're like, I can't wait to watch that game? Um, probably the Colts and the Bills. That's the okay. one I'm I'm the most interested in right now. But I mean, I think there's a lot of good ones. Frankly, five out of six of them I think are going to be pretty fun to watch. Frankly, you know the game that that I'm excited: Ravens and Titans. Yeah, you got two sure. teams who both run the rock like ain't no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ravens needed, you know, crazy three-game stretch to get into the playoff. The Titans came off a crazy ball game to win uh, their division. Uh, so, Derrick Henry rushing title again, over 2,000 yards. Lamar Jackson coming to this ball game, uh, doing what he does, which is being athletic, putting a lot of pressure on opposing defenses. So, I think it's a lot of quality football games that's going to happen this weekend. Uh, you, you see any upsets? No, you see any of the top seeds going down? 
Well, I, I think that, again, I think the Colts-Bills is going to be a really good one. I think uh, Pittsburgh will probably handle the the Browns. Um, seems like they may have gotten a little bit back together right at the end, but they were, they were kind of a, a mess for about a month. Um, I think the Titans-Ravens game is interesting as well because – Last year, the uh, Titans went into I think the, I think it was in Baltimore. They went to Baltimore, beat uh, Baltimore, yeah, with like throwing the ball like seven times or something. Yeah, um, Any, anything, whatever you do to win in the playoffs, whatever you got to do, that's what it's about. One let me game, ask you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask. I don't know if there's really an upset brewing. The Bucks and Washington game. Um, I don't. I. I like I've I've liked what Washington's done lately, frankly. Well, overall, and and here's what makes it interesting. And even Bruce Arian said it. He said, "Look, I told my team not to look at the Washington football team like a '79 ball club, right? Because when they were '79, he said, listen, when Alex Smith is a quarterback, they're five and one. Oh, with with Dwayne Haskins, they're one and three. So uh, they haven't played well when he's been in there. Mm. So he's saying, listen, when Alex Smith is playing." This is a winning football team. Alex Smith is back. And you know, you know what's crazy? I saw the, 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 the E60 story on Alex Smith. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I will now. Oh, my goodness. I saw it yesterday, and it blew me away. The stuff that he had to go through yeah. to get to the point he's at now, come back play of the year easily, no doubt. Yes. But I guarantee you, if you watch this story, you're going to turn into an Alex Smith fan immediately. Yeah. And I mean, they literally show you what happened to his leg. They show you every single grueling uh, picture of his leg, what it looked like when it got infected, how they Oof. had to go back in there, the stuff he had to go through. I mean, it's an unbelievable story. So I'm with you with the Washington football team. They're a different team with Alex Smith. But that story, though, if you have not seen it, you have to check it out. And it's an amazing story called Project 11. I saw it on the E60, which was an unbelievable story. So make sure you check that out, Scott. Do you know what? I will. One game that – um that I was thinking about is the Cleveland Pittsburgh. And it's something because their head coach has COVID. Their head coach will not right. be a part of the game this weekend. Mm-hmm. And how much a big deal that is because obviously head coach, play caller, situational stuff, uh, time management, all that kind of stuff goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And they won't have their head coach there for their first playoff game that they've had in a very long time. And Pittsburgh, of course, will get some of their key players back like Ben Roethlisberger to play yeah. in this ball game. So, uh, but kudos to Cleveland, man. At the yeah, of the eighteen years. The playoffs, come on, man. Eighteen down years, right? Pretty cool, man. Pretty cool for the Browns to be in the playoffs. So, a lot of ball games to happen this weekend. Um, a lot of stuff that's going to happen. So, we'll, we'll we'll see if who comes out of this first weekend unscathed and see if there's any uh, kind of upsets to happen. Yeah, uh, coming up. Well, let me briefly let me ask you because I think it would be it would be the biggest upset, and I gave this team a lot of grief all year. Do you think? And they've looked really solid for a few weeks here. You think the Bears could do it? The Bears taking on the Saints. They got to yeah. go to New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, you know what? The Bears are a team that you just don't know about. Like no. Trubisky started the year, he was kind of awful. Then he got benched for Foles and then came back mm-hmm. in towards the latter of this part of the season that's played pretty well. Yeah. And they won ball games. Yeah. Uh, but you just don't know, man. I but I do know the Saints are a really good football team. Yeah. And one thing that makes them great is their defense. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees hasn't been the same Drew Brees. We know how good Alvin Kamara is. I think they're gonna get Michael Thomas back, which is a huge deal. But their defense kind of shut down. 
I think it might be. I think they. That's two good defenses. I think it might be a pretty low scoring game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the Saints don't take many shots now with Drew Brees not having that arm strength to maybe throw it down the field. A lot of dink and dunk stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like that man. I, I I think that may be one of the more interesting matchups for real. The Bears were at the Saints uh, this weekend, so uh, we'll, we'll check his check back next week to see what happens in that ball game. Um, like I mentioned. Coming up in a couple minutes, my man David Pollock joining us on the Triple Threat Podcast to talk all things ball and all things life as well. So looking forward to that conversation. Uh, the last piece of news that we could uh, be worth talking about, national championship game. Mm. Alabama, Ohio State. How about Justin Fields, man? What about the gutsy, gutsy, gutsy effort he put on display last week when he beat Clemson to a pulp? Six touchdowns, throwing it all over the yard. And this is after getting crushed on a hit by Skowski that threw him out of the ball game, but he's hurting. His ribs are hurt. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, I felt like this game was personal for Ohio State. Yeah. I felt like, yeah, they played the revenge factor, and that happens with a lot of teams. You, you had a ball game where you thought you should win. Mm-hmm. But then also, Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence. Everybody says Trevor Lawrence is the top guy. A lot of people said maybe Justin Fields wasn't even the second-best quarterback in this draft, and he comes out and put on display and tells it shows people exactly what he's about. Yeah. Man, what a performance. What did you think of uh, that Ohio State-Clemson game? Well, I didn't – I wasn't sh- positive that Clemson would win. I would have I would have picked them. I did pick them, but I'm just shocked at how – I'm just shocked them. at the margin of victory. Man, yeah. I'm just shocked with how, how they just – impose their will as as the game wore on and it just got ugly at the end but you're right about justin fields man that was uh that was an impressive performance and as somebody who's whose team is is high in the draft it i was unsure whether i you know whether i think he's he's pro material i guess you would say so it made does me feel dabble, good does dabble ranking him 11 uh have any bearing on that <laughs> ball game well, I it definitely put a chip on their shoulder. I mean, it was you heard enough about it. I don't I don't understand, and I hear it from from my Gators all the time too. One of the linebackers was talking about talking bad about Oklahoma going into the game, and to their game, and he and Ooh. golly, man, just shut your mouth and get ready yeah. to play. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah I just I don't get saw. it. It's not an MMA fight. You know that that, that <laughs> I expect people to talk you know trash like that for that, but. Yeah, I think it definitely helped, and I think uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. Uh, the line is only like ten; it's around ten, right? Uh, I think last I saw uh, for this yeah. game, so uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it gets it gets pretty close. But they're going to have to keep, you know, just like I keep saying with whoever plays Alabama, yeah. you got to keep up, and you got to hope Alabama makes a mistake, and it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, big props to Devontae Smith mm-hmm. winning the Heisman Trophy earlier this week. Uh, one of the biggest margins of victory. Haven't had a winner since from the wide receiver position since Desmond Howard. So, mm-hmm. congrats to Devontae Smith, man. Well deserved. I think a lot of people agree with that Heisman winner. Uh, obviously, he was one of the more dynamic players uh, of all in college football. So, big kudos to him, man. Look forward to him to having another big ball game. Sarkeesian has done a great job of finding ways to get him football all year long, mm-hmm. and I don't think this game will be any different. So I think Justin Fields has to come out and play similar ball game that he had uh, versus Clemson for Ohio State to come out with this win. But it's going to be a, a slogger knocker game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got two grip backs in this game. I think Najee Harris, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon's been killing it, 500-plus yards rushing in the last two ball games for him. Justin Fields coming into his own in his last ball game. 
And we've talked about it here for the last couple of weeks of what Alabama brings to the table with their yeah. triple-headed monster. Um, let's give a little prediction, man. What do you think? Let's put it on tape. Let's, you know, put something out there. Who who do you like and what's the score, Scotty D? Ah, it's, it's so easy to go chalk, you know? Um, <laughs> first thing I want to do is give Trey Sermon a shout-out. He's from Sprayberry High School, which is about five miles from where I'm sitting right now. Okay. So he's he's a local kid that went to Oklahoma. I still don't – I need to read up on why he's not at Oklahoma anymore. I don't know if, if he got in trouble, if he was behind somebody or what, but I don't know how – how, how in the hell you let that guy leave your campus. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to take Alabama just because I, I've, I've watched a lot of Alabama. I haven't seen a lot of Ohio State, but what I saw last week was pretty impressive. I think it might be a little tighter than people expect. Yeah. Hey, man, I want to ask you this. Did you mm-hmm. get a chance – to see Kirk Herbstreit's setup at his home calling that semifinal game. Did you see it on Twitter? With all the help? Oh, I no, I didn't see the Twitter. I just, I know he's got a bunch of helmet, a wall of helmets behind him. No, not that. They actually showed like the, all the monitors cause he had to be home because of COVID. Yeah. And he had to call that game and I'll send it to you. They had a clip. They had like a video, like a one minute video of him in his basement or whatever calling the game, and he had about 10 different monitors around him. What? An unbelievable setup. Now, I got a setup up in here. Yeah. And it's not 10 different, uh, I say, monitors in here. But unreal setup. He did an outstanding job calling the game, but his setup was crazy. I'll have to see that. I was – I mean, you you know, I'll tell the listeners, but when when you got uh, your your – boxes from ESPN before the uh, season started. I was super interested in to see what, what you had and your setup and everything. And uh, it's no, it ain't 10 monitors, but I, I, I sometimes <laughs> I wonder how is, how do you have enough in, going on in front of you? Can I, I know we're trying to not be too long today, but can I ask you this? Yeah. Can you, can you give our listeners some insight about calling a game from home? Like what's that like? What's the difference between that and going to a game? What, what kind of challenges do you have? So it's a little different. I'll tell you, when you're actually in a stadium, you can feel the atmosphere. You can see everything. And for me, as a guy who is the color analyst, I like to see the entire field. And what that means is I like the all 22 view. All 22 view means I get to see all 22 players at one time, and I get to see the entire field. Because I like to see how things unfold. Um, so that way I can describe to the viewers what's happening on a particular play and how something worked, how something didn't work. Now, what the fans see, what you see at home is a condensed version because they want you just to see the box. They want you to see, they want to zoom in so you can see every little detail inside the box. But I like to see the entire picture. Now, when you're doing it at home, the thing that, that actually helps is sometimes in our headsets, we have the NAT sound, which is we have the sound that they have that's blasting from the particular stadium. Mm-hmm. But you don't get the feel of being in a stadium that yeah. – you would get when you're there. It's a little different from being at home, but similar to like everybody else, man, we've had to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have during the game, I have probably about four monitors in front of me, uh, with my iPad, my computer, uh, the iPad from ESPN. You got a laptop from ESPN. We got a big, you know, like 40 inch monitor that's in front of us. So mm-hmm. I have enough yeah. to view the ball game. And then I have like three or four different views. So it's a little different. But you adapt to it and you move on. I think I called maybe eight games from my house this year, uh, which was different. Yeah. But uh, as the season went on, you kind of got used to it. And it is what it is. And uh, I was just glad we was able to have some ball and talk. You know, it's funny. I didn't really I didn't really notice it on any football games this year. But when I was watching baseball back in the summer, there was a couple times where I thought 
that the the announcers couldn't see what was going on like a ball down <laughs> like a ball down the line yeah. whether it was fair or foul there was like this delay that normally they would be sitting right behind home plate and be able to see that for themselves. Right. But it was kind of like they were waiting for the camera feed to catch up or something. So it was, in, it was interesting. So and I was wondering, right on. yeah, that's I was wondering right how, how you felt, how you felt about that. So listen, everybody, you know, if you've got a question for DJ, that's something that I thought of. It came from Scotty, a Twitter follower, Scotty D four, two, five. But if you've got a question for DJ, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Check us out on social media. Send a question, and we'll try to fit into the show if, if it if it works and it's and it's it's appropriate. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll shout you out, man. We'll yeah. we'll give out your Twitter handle and all that, so it'd be cool, it'd be good to go, man. All right, let's get to my guy David Pollock, man. I I've teased it long enough. Uh, he's got a lot of good things to talk about, and I can't wait for you guys to hear some of the gems so that good. he's gonna drop on us, man. So uh, stay tuned right here on the Triple Three Podcast. My guy David Pollock coming up next. Welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast. And I told you before, we got my man, David Pollock, coming on now. I, first off, I want to, before I even uh, say what's up to my man Pollock, I got to let people know, obviously, if you've been under a rock and you don't know who my man Pollock is, obviously the dude who I played with, a good friend of mine, good teammate, now is doing really good things now on ESPN. And you see him probably every weekend on college game day. But uh, Pollock, what up, bro? What's up, my man? Look at the man got his own podcast. I hear you, bro. Big time. Hey, man. Sometimes you try to find a way to get to where you need to be. Sometimes you got to do it on yourself. But, uh, hey, man, uh, first off, man, before we talk, uh, obviously, people uh, obviously want to hear what your thoughts are and what's going on here in a couple of days or so with the big game. But uh, before we even get to any of that stuff, we got we to gotta go back a little bit. We got to go back to good old Shiloh High School and talk about my man Pollock and old Shiloh and uh, the kind of player you turned into. Did you always want to play football or was it just something that you say, Hey, I love hitting people. I'm going to be involved in. No, I, I love playing football. I, uh, I started when I was actually, my parents always tell me all the time. I actually started when I was four because you only can play when you're six. Right. But my brother started at six and he was two years older than me and he was playing on the field and I was tackling everything in sight on the sideline. <laughs> so Mama P and, and Norm knew I was going to be into football. It got kind of weird when I tackled cheerleaders and stuff. That was probably <laughs> inappropriate. But, um, no, I, I was made for it, man. I, I knew at the age of six, I, uh, I literally told my parents at the age of six, I was like, I'm going to play in the NFL one day. And they always supported me. And then, obviously, there's plenty of people out there always like, oh, it's so cute. You want to do that? So does everybody else. No um, but I love what Devontae Smith said the other night with the Heisman, too, though, man, like, don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. And right. I didn't, man. And I and I loved ball. So I grew up six years old and playing all through shallow. And we sucked, man. We were atrocious. <laughs> um, we didn't win many, very many games. But – and I had other co- other teams from within our county come to me and offer me to, to come to their spot. And, hey, we'll go win a championship. And, you know, Parkview and Brookwood were winning at that time. And uh, I love shallow, man. I didn't want to leave shallow. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. leaving what I had grown up with since I was six years old. And – so, um, you know, I played, I played a good bit of positions in high school and uh, had a lot of fun and lost a lot of games, but went down with my boy swinging. No doubt, no doubt. Now, if a lot of people don't know, uh, me and Pollock actually 
were in the same recruiting class to Georgia. One of uh, Coach Rick's, you know, first recruits to the University of Georgia. Except for Shockley was highly recruited. (laughs) Shockley was the man. So National Signing Day, you had Shockley, you know, doing the the hat thing probably. And then there was like undertone, footnote. Oh, they signed a guy from Shiloh, a three-star guy from Shiloh that nobody's ever heard of. So, but we got DJ Shockley. We good. But guess what? At the end of the day, though, at the end of the day, when all was said and done, the little guy from Shiloh turns out to be a three-time first-team All-American, won player of the year a couple times. I mean, had the probably one of the more famous plays in all of Georgia history. Before we get into all that, we go, everybody, we're going to talk about that. But let's go back to the recruiting part of it. What was it about Georgia that made you want to go there, or was there – Something that said, hey, I want to go somewhere else. Or was it just, hey, I want to go to Georgia. I'm a Georgia boy. This is where I want to be. I went to, um, I'll never forget, Spurrier was recruiting me from Florida. and um, That's the one know, thing had- you got on me. Spurrier never recruited me. Every school in the country except for Spurrier. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, got to take, you got to take that out on him in 03. <laughs> 04, 05. 05 was a good one to take it out on um, but no, I, I, he, he recruited me and, and came in the house and, you know, they had it cooking. So I was like, dude, this is cool. And then I drove five hours, um, down there and I was like, man, I, I can't come home very often if I do this. And, and you know, this, I, I've had one girlfriend my whole life and it was Lindsay and, um, she was going to be in high school for two more years. And so when I took that drive, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And then, you know, you drive up the road an hour to Georgia coach Rick, just being a, the human being he is, man. He's just such a good dude. I believed in him immediately when I met him. He had, he had strong faith. I had strong faith and just believed that we could do something good. And um, that, that's what's the coolest thing about, you know, our class and what we did. We brought it back to, to where it should be. And it's been fun because Georgia should be a national power. Georgia should be winning national championships. That should be um, a part of their DNA because you get great players. It's a great fan base. It's a great a crowd all the time. Great atmosphere, great environment. So, I think that was the fun part. I looked at a bunch of schools, but the proximity being close to home, I think, was the, the biggest indicator to keep me at Georgia. No doubt. And, I mean, some of the things you did while you were there. Just talk about, obviously, uh, a lot of people want to know from your take. And I know you've told this story tons of times. The play versus South Carolina is one of the things that people remember you by. And it was an amazing play. It's something that I'm like, I still look at him like, it's unbelievable you was able to do that. But talk about some of the things that you had to overcome while you were there to become the player that people see at the end. Because everybody always sees the end result, and they don't know the things that you had to go through, the way you had to work to get to that point, things you had to overcome. But talk about some of the things that helped you get to that point where people see the three-time All-American. Well, first of all, I came into Georgia as a fullback, and very few people know that. And everybody got hurt in spring ball or in summer camp, everybody. And so they like, all right, well, you go play defensive tackle. And I played defensive tackle as a freshman. At the end of the year, I started. And then everybody left. Bruce Dream, Josh Mallard, Charles Grant, every defensive end left. And it was really like, how do we get through spring ball? Okay, Coach Fab, take him. Take Pollock, <laughs> and he'll come over there with you. And by the way, I'm going to spring ball against George Foster, a first-round pick, and Stinchcomb, a second-round pick. And I've never played defensive end a day in my life. Like, it wasn't <laughs> – it wasn't fun, bro. Like, it sucked. <laughs> I mean, I got my butt kicked uh, a lot, but uh, just kept working, kept grinding. And, and, and Russ Tanner, me and him work out, you know, three or four days a week here at the house. And uh, he, he said he always brings up stories of things that I've forgotten so much along the way. But he was like, dude, 
do you remember those bands you had that would tie around your waist and they went to your wrist and you'd shoot your hands <laughs> everywhere you went? Yeah. And uh, he was like, you're such an idiot. And, and just, <laughs> you know, bring up stories of, of stuff like that. But I, I took it personal to really work on my craft. And I'd walk, every door I'd walk around, I'd club and I'd rip and, and work on my hips and my hands. And, you know, I, I grew a lot from, you know, my sophomore spring ball to my fall camp. Because if you watched me in the spring, you'd probably be like, yeah, it's not very good. And then, you know, during the season, I got to have a good season and became an All-American and things changed. But, you know, and you you got to see this, but, and I'm still the same way now, like I'm going to work and I'm going to yeah. grind and I yeah. don't care what the results are. I don't care yeah. if I get my butt kicked, like I'm coming back and yeah. I'm going to turn and I'm going to run to the football. And, um, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to make a priority and I'm going to take it personal. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times my wife has went to the bedroom crying because of playing a board game. I'm competitive. <laughs> I don't like to lose and I don't care if it's to her or my kids. Like I'm keeping score. Everything yeah. matters. And, yeah. So I think, um, you know, all of that went into it. But, man, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of failure. It was a lot of adversity and switching positions. And, um, you know, you, you, you were obviously there. I'm, interested. I'm always curious about this. Like, what did you think of me as a teammate? You probably thought, you thought I was nuts, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I think everybody – and a lot of people will ask me. They come and say, bro, what is wrong with Pollock? Why does he act like that? And I'm like, the dude just wants it. Like, he don't know no other way. So I'm like – it is what it is. Like you guys got to accept it because he's going to make everybody around you better. But at the end of the day, he don't really care if you like him or not. And I think that, that's kind of what it was about. And people didn't realize that. That, that to me, I, I tell my kids this all the time. They're 12 and 10. They don't get it yet. And just like a lot of people don't, I didn't care if a single person liked me. Yeah. I care if you respect me. Like yeah. I'm not there to be everybody's best friend. And by the way, what have we all done throughout our lives? We've all gone our separate ways. We're, right. You're going to do that. Like, but I'm going to come in there. I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to gain respect and earn respect. Like it's not a, so many people want to be liked and so many people mm -hmm. don't want to like, I'll never forget. I'm not going to name any names. I'll never forget going against people that were like, Hey man, slow down, like right. slow down and practice. I'm like, no, that ain't mm -hmm. getting either of us better. Mm -hmm. like, no, absolutely. I got to the Bengals. It was no different, bro. They were like, what is wrong with you? The ball's yeah. dead and you're running 20 yards past it. I was like, if yeah. I'm going to play the way I want to play in games, I got to keep cooking. And, and, being a great teammate and, you know, all that stuff, holding people accountable isn't fun. Like, it's not something that people enjoy, but, you know, it's not about being liked. It's about respect. And if you can gain yeah. people's respect, they'll fight for you. They'll love you. It, they, I mean, I never forget when I came on campus and um, a lot of the guys couldn't stand me. And I remember when I used to run to the football and scout team work and I'd run so far down the field every play and people were like, what a suck up. What yeah. a kiss butt. Really? People would say stuff like that. Next thing you know, after my sophomore year, I got two or three boys running with me doing the same thing going, oh, that might work. And mm -hmm. so I don't worry about, you know, being loved and being liked. Be worry about being respected. See, I love that part. I, I hope people get a lot of that. I hope people listen to the words that you actually just mentioned and more than just a story. But the fact you look around society, you look around and anything that people do in their daily life, a lot of people are so concerned about, does this person like me? Does this person... I think I'm good instead of just doing your job and doing your job and being respected by it is what people ultimately will measure you by. So uh, I love that attitude. I love that mantra. I hope people can get some from that. Uh, talk to me about that 02 season, man. Talk to me about that particular play versus South Carolina uh, from your point of view. And I've heard you talk about it. I was there. I saw it, but it was unbelievable. What was going through your mind pre-snap, post-snap, 
when you made that play? Well, pre-snap, um, you know, we, we, we name every formation. So the personnel grouping was 10 personnel, one back, no tight ends, a bunch of receivers. When it was trips or three wide receivers to our side, uh, we called it Tucson. Yeah. Uh, with, a, with a gun, we called it gun or Tucson open. And then the back was all set to the trips. So it was Tucson open stud. So I just said a lot of words. Don't get confused. Basically, because <laughs> of the formation, I knew it was 95% rollout pass. And so before that play even happened, I widened out an extra yard and had a, new, a good chance it was going to be a rollout pass. And I beat the tackle so quick. He didn't even he wasn't even ready because I was so wide. And then I beat the running back. And I'll be honest, I wasn't trying to make that play. I was trying to back the right. ball down. Like, yeah. I was not trying to make an interception. Yeah. I was literally – our offense sucked, which was a theme during my years. Offensive <laughs> sucked. Um, so glad off- I wasn't a part of those offenses. So glad. <laughs> <laughs> our <laughs> offense wasn't putting up points. Actually, didn't even score an offensive touchdown that game. I think it was 13 to, <laughs> 13 to 6 that game. Um, but I go up and try to bat the ball down and hit his arm. And then as I'm going down, I'm like, oh, bro, the ball's right here. <laughs> and, and just kind of grab it and – by the way, there was no instant replay then, so there was no going and replaying it, but the ref was literally right there standing behind, and he saw it happen, which was crazy and yep. very fortunate. But, but again, it was preparation because I knew, this, I knew the tendencies of the play. Um, preparation meets opportunity, and that's when you make big plays. I think people don't get how mental the game of football is and how much, yeah. if you study, it can put you in a position to, to really be successful. Well, I don't think people really understand how detailed – that you guys are. And I mean you guys as D linemen, as guys who everybody thinks just puts their hair in the dirt and on third down they rush to pass it. And I think you just made a critical point of how critical it is to worry about the small things in detail. You you broke down the formation, you broke down the tendencies, but then also you took it a step forward and said, hey, I moved out a yard because I knew I could widen the guy and then I would be able to get around the corner. I mean, those are things that when people watch the game, that they don't realize happens. So I'm glad you were able to, to, to kind of put that into words on some of the things that happens up front, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, let's move on to you end up obviously having a great career, Georgia. Um, you leave, you know, you're going to get drafted. Did you know you were going to get drafted where you got drafted and what was that experience like? Cause we've had a couple guys on here who obviously been, you know, had Ronnie Brown on here a few weeks ago. He talked about, you know, going top five and what that meant to him. Talk about that experience of, hey, okay, now I'm going to the draft, where I was going to get drafted, and then the feeling of I'm a first-round pick and I'm going to Cincinnati. Well, that part wasn't good because Cincinnati always sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually had a hat for every team in the draft because I had a pretty good idea I was going in the first round. And every hat I put on, um, you know, obviously I was 17, so it took a while. Every hat I put on, you know, 49ers, Alex Smith won. I'd throw it down the balcony. Um, it, ma- it made it kind of confusing because the Texans actually traded out from 11 and then back into 16. So I had to go get the hat again just to put it on the throw down the stupid steps again. Um, but I, I think um, when it comes to the when it comes to the draft, you know, I, I knew the night before the draft um, there was a team that like the Browns were interested in me, and um, actually Ronnie Brown screwed it up. Actually, believe it or not, um, so the Browns had the third pick. Right. And we were we were under we had we had good word that if uh, if Braylon Edwards went to Nick Saban and Miami Dolphins, if Braylon Edwards went to, then I would go three to the uh, Cleveland Browns. And, um, you know, obviously, Ronnie Brown went to. Sorry, yeah. sucker. I, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> all, sorry, all, 
one guy. Yeah. Yeah. He he went two, and then um, after he went two, my phone didn't ring again until seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, listen, it, it was a cool experience. I, I didn't. I don't necessarily think I had any expectations of what it would feel like. I was excited that I get to continue to play. I mean, I thought when I went to Georgia, even though I wasn't highly recruited, I I, I always believed in myself. I always thought. I'll be here a couple of years and then I'll go play in the NFL. And yeah. so it was always a dream of mine since I was six years old to go accomplish it. And so when I finally did, I was like, man, this is sweet. And, you know, I, then I've changed positions again. So I, it's a common theme throughout my, throughout my career, but I definitely wasn't super excited about the Bengals when they took me. But once I got there, <laughs> I was like, this is a, this is a pretty cool franchise. And I love coach Lewis. So. You talk about going to a franchise with Lewis who had, you know, done great things, obviously, been a winner uh, his whole entire time when he was in the league. Uh, your first year, you know, you, you're second on the team, four and a half sacks. Uh, then the second year comes around. Is it the first or second game you're playing against the Browns? Uh, second game. Second, yeah. September, was it September 17th? You're playing the Browns and you're going in for a tackle and uh, just kind of take us through uh, that moment and when you realize something wasn't right. Yeah, it was um... – you know, it was a crazy play. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I was playing linebacker, and it was a draw play. So, you know, first step, I take a step back because I'm thinking I'm going to drop in coverage, and I see him handing it off to the running back. And one of my main goals my second year coming in, this is back when actually you could hit people in, in football. Um, <laughs> yeah. One of my main goals my second year was to be more physical and right. to start because I went from playing on the line and not playing in space, and I really wanted to be a guy that could close space and, and thump you in the mouth. And I got my first opportunity against Ruben Drones, a big 230-pound back. Mm-hmm. And I lowered my head a little bit and went in there and popped him. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know – I thought it was a stinger because we've all had stingers. If you play right. football, just kind of shoots shooting pain all the way down your neck. And right. the only thing that was different is I was, I was face down and I couldn't, I couldn't move my upper body. And um, so, I, you know, I was just – imagine I was kind of stuck. And, like, imagine when you wake up and you fall asleep on your arms and you can't move them like that kind of – you know, it's kind of a horrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. And that's, that's kind of what I felt like. And it was, uh, it was nuts. It was crazy. Um, you know, they, they take you off the field, they go right underneath the, 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 the tunnel and they have an x-ray machine and got an x-ray, got an MRI with my, you know, cause they cut my face mask off and all that stuff. And then the doc was there and he's like, Hey man, you fractured your C6, C7. And I was like, that's cool, man. How well, a couple of weeks and I'll be back. Like what's the big deal, right? <laughs> and he goes, nah, bro, that means you broke your neck. And I was like, Ooh, Oh, I was like, hey, Doc, can we stick to you fractured your C6? That sounds a lot better than broken a broken neck. neck. Yeah. And and, I, and I'll never forget, man. I, I'm So I, I told you already that since I was six years old, it was my dream. And I'll never forget being on the gurney. And then they took me down under the stadium and they put me in an ambulance. And my wife met me there. And, uh, you know, I knew I, I, I knew right then, like we were both crying as we left. Like, I, this could be the last time I ever put on a uniform. And it was to, to make that thought and to, to think that thought for the first time at 22 years old when you've been dreaming about it so long, it definitely was uh, was devastating. Unreal, man. Uh, obviously, you're going to have surgery to fuse two vertebrae together, and uh, you come out of that, you got to wear a halo brace for, what, three months or so, something like that? Uh, I've always been an angel, though. I just needed my halo to go with it. <laughs> I mean, it's all good. I mean, for people who have had to go through things and things taken away from them, where did your mindset go from that point of, like you mentioned, since six years old, this has been my dream. And just like that, and we hear it all the time as athletes, hey, you can be playing today, going tomorrow. And we don't really, we kind of take it for granted. 
what are some of the things that you tell athletes today who feel they're invincible or who feel like, hey, I don't have an opportunity. It's taken away from me. How do you move on from a tough situation where you have to go through some adversity similar to like you did? Well, I think, first of all, perspective is important, right? Like I, I try to tell people all the time, no matter what you're going through, somebody's got it worse. Right. I mean, somebody buried a child today. Mm-hmm. Like literally somebody, somebody's, somebody's lost their life today. There's, a, there's so many things that go on in the world every day that, um, you know, that people are going through very, very difficult times. And, and so I think that I try to keep perspective on that, on, on where we're at and what we're doing. But I knew I lost something. Barkley, man, shush, bro. My dog's yapping over here, bro. Um, so I, I, try, I, I try to put him in, uh, you know, try to keep it in perspective. And, 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 but it's not, it's not the end of the world regardless. Like, here, here's the thing I try to always remember. And I try to always remind myself after it happened. Like, football at some point, DJ Shockley had to hang up his cleats. Mm-hmm. Like, I was going to have to hang up my cleats at some point. I knew that. Like, the day mm-hmm. would come when, when it was over. I didn't think it was going to be at 23. Like, I didn't think it was going to be my second year into the NFL, but, but I knew at some point it would happen. And so I think, you know, the reality of that setting in, it sucked. I'm not saying every day was great, man, yeah. but yeah. man, you talk about like learning, you talk about learning who your friends are. You talk about learning who's in your corner for the right reasons. You talk about like gaining perspective in life. I could have never gained. I would have never gained that perspective in life of, I mean, shock. I took my head when I got cleared to work out again. First of all, when I got my neck brace off, my wife made spaghetti. I'll never forget. I literally go to eat the spaghetti the first night out of my neck brace. Mm-hmm. And I lo- go like this, and my head goes right in the plate. Oh, wow. I couldn't hold my head on my shoulders. Dang. Like, I got cleared to lift weights. I benched 455 in college. That's not a lot, by the way. All you people that think that sounds like a lot of numbers, that's like bottom 15 on the team, for God's sake. We got so many Herculean <laughs> Freak shows. <laughs> I go to I go to bench press. I benched one thirty five twice, and I was shaking like this yeah. twice. Like when you're coming back from that, man, you your expectations and what you think you can do and what you used to be able to do, they don't matter. Like yeah. I don't, I didn't care anymore, bro. Like I, that's yeah. not what I cared about. What I, my my new mantra for me was every day counts, mm. and I started to ingrain that in my brain. I'm not I'm not what I used to be but I'm going to make today count mm-hmm. tomorrow. Cause, cause I, I I've said this for years. No one's to blame for where you're at right now, but if you're here tomorrow, that's on you. Mm-hmm. That's your fault. So I tried to adopt that. And how can I get better every day? How can I stay focused on little goals, mini goals, write it down, write down two or three things I want to accomplish today um, to make, to deem this day a success. So, you know, it did stink and it was adversity, but man, I learned more about, myself and all uh, everything everybody around me quicker than I ever have it's the best thing that's ever happened to me by far the best thing that's ever happened in my life I love it man uh obviously I think a lot of people can get a lot from that because in the day in society where we are now where so many things are looked at as bad I mean we're going through a freaking pandemic people can't do the things they used to do but I think the mantra of every day counts and I see it on your your Twitter I see it on your Instagram I see it through your foundation all the time it's something that you actually are about so uh if people are wondering is this just talk or is this just something to sound good this is who my dude is about so uh i appreciate you for you know allowing us to to hear your heart a little bit and talk about that because i know that was a tough time in your career and i think a lot of people don't even realize in 08 
when you got cleared to medically play, you decided, now nah, I'm done. What went into that decision of saying, nah, I'm cool? Well, I mean, so you rehab and I get strong again and I get my body back where I want my body back. And, you know, the talk doctors are doing the testing. And right now, when I turn my head this direction versus when I turn my head this direction, I can't move it about an inch and a half, two inches. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I said from the beginning with my wife, I was like, listen, because I wanted to play football since I was six years old, but mm -hmm. I wanted to be a dad my whole life. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a dad. Like I want that. That's that's probably the most proud thing I have in my life is being a dad. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want, I knew if I was more likely to get hurt than anybody else, I would not play football again. So could I push the envelope a hundred percent? But, and here's the thing. I didn't know what I was going to do. I dang sure didn't think I'd do this. Like <laughs> I hated the media. The immediate, the media annoyed the piss out of me. Like <laughs> stupid questions, people that don't really pay attention. You can tell saying stupid things, man, I used to drive me insane. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just, Man, I knew that I was more inclined for somebody else to get hurt. I knew I wanted a family. So it wasn't it wasn't a tough decision. Did I want to play football? Yeah. Did I miss the locker room? Of course, dude. But um, I had to make a decision that was best for, for me and my family moving forward. And that was, unfortunately, to, to give up football. But I knew good and well with my personality that football was going to be a part of my life. Like, I wasn't going to go from six years old football to – the rest of my life without football. I knew I would have football and it was just a matter of what capacity. So you talk about not liking the media. You're talking about moving on from football and you're starting sports talk radio here in 790. I've been on 790. I've done it. You work with Mike Bell. Everybody who follows in Oof. Atlanta knows Mike Bell and what that is like. Uh, but how did you getting into the broadcast world I should say stoke the engine for you to be where you're at now. Cause obviously where you're at now is a stage that's bigger than any other, but where in your mind did you say, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is something that I can make a career out of. First of all, you go from talking about your team and your players, which you know, intimately and the opponent you're playing. So Georgia's playing Alabama. Like, I knew everything about Alabama. I knew everything about Georgia because we played. But now you're asking me about everybody. And so yeah. it, took, yeah. it took a hot minute to, like, learn the game and learn all of the stuff and, and, and learn how to speak. By the way, us defensive players, we ain't bright, bro. Like, <laughs> there ain't no secret. Like, we play defense for a reason, see ball, get ball a lot of times. But um, so I, I think it was hard to, to, to flip the switch and to, to understand it. And radio's tough because radio, you know, right here, we – we get to use our hands yeah. and we get a smile and, yeah. do, and expressions radio. You got to paint that picture vividly. And then I go work with a guy like Mike Bell, who show prep didn't exist <laughs> at all. At, at all. all. So it was off the might, cuff. this homeboy might bring up like girls volleyball. Like I, I literally, <laughs> so I learned, I learned to be prepared for everything because I have no clue where he's going to go. Yeah. And then as I worked with him more, I started to realize like, okay, he's going to stay in this vein or whatever, but I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm drowning. So, and again, I go from there and I go to Fox SEC Gridiron Live, audience of two. I mean, <laughs> nobody watched. And that's fine. Nobody yeah. watched. My mama didn't even watch, for God's sakes. I know nobody else is watching. But I'm, I'm, I'm on Fox SEC Gridiron Live, and I get a phone call afterwards, and it's Kirk Herbstreit. 
And I know I knew Kirk from Ohio because I was Bengals and he lived in Ohio. We go to co- some uh, country concerts and I'd see him there and I knew him and I got a cell phone. And he was like, dude, I was flipping through the channels and I saw this SEC Gridiron Live show. I'm like, what? Really? Okay. <laughs> Didn't know anybody watch. And um, literally, he was like, dude, you're pretty good. He was like, you should give this a try. You know, like, would you want to do that? The next week, I was on College Game Day as a guest, like uh-huh. via phone or I, I don't know how, no, via satellite. But it was like that. Um, I had an opportunity. But and then I had to go to he, I got in the doors at ESPNU and I started doing the recap show from 12 to 2 a.m. Again, nobody was watching. But what was I doing? Getting I was going to my craft. Yeah. I was getting reps. Exactly. I was getting reps. I was learning how to address a camera. I was learning how to speak like how to speak intelligently. I was learning how to put things in a real phrase and not just talk slang all the time. I, I was learning how to say things that I shouldn't say because I, I, I remember. Sean Murphy, I used to push the button all the time. He asked me, hey, can I say this? No. Hey, can I say this? No. I was like, dang. I'm like, what the heck can I say, bro? But, and so going through that process of learning how to, you know, hold a mic, learning how to address a camera. By the way, learning how to dress. I don't know how to dress, bro. I don't care either. I'm, I, oh, Paul, I remember them, I remember them early days. Uh, oh, well, because my had big suits on, had to, you know, no tie. It was just my wife let me dress. That was her fault. Like she's, I'm like, I don't have a. First of all, I'm uh, the least. I, I'm a, I'm a defensive lineman. I'm not GQ. I don't try to be G. I don't do my hair. I don't do my, ma- I don't do makeup. I don't give a crap. I'm there to talk football. And like Kirk always gets a kick out. Of it. He's like, oh, there's three technique, just flopping around in mud all the time. And so like I've learned. My wife does my suits. Like I've yeah. learned, hey, keep your hair short enough where you ain't gotta cut it. Like you gotta worry about it. Come you on, you man. ain't gotta come on, man. There you go. Yeah. You ain't gotta style it. So, you know, I learned along the way, but but again, it took years and years of screwing up. But I'll never forget this. And this is another story, like along with the NFL. I met with an agent, a TV agent, and he said, What do you want to do? And I said, the best show on TV is college game day for college football, right? I was like, I want to do that. He was like, ha, that's funny. I'm like, wait a minute, why not? What's funny, right? Like, why, why not? I, I, again, Devontae Smith, right? Like, don't tell me what I can and can't do. Don't mm-hmm. tell me. God can do extraordinary things, right? So mm-hmm. I started getting reps, and then I, I got an opportunity because the, the show expanded from – it used to be a two-hour show, and right. then it expanded and put the first two hours on ESPNU. So right. they needed somebody to go fill that time, and they tapped me to go in yeah. there with Aaron Andrews, and we started doing it, and – I mean, it was nuts, man. I'm three or four years into my TV career, and I'm on I'm on game day and starting to have a role, and then it started to expand more and more. But but again, it took the reps. It took 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. recaps that nobody watched, screwing up, and me looking at myself going, this is not what I want to do, but I'm a freshman in college. Put your head down, grind, mm-hmm. and then I'll get where I want to go. That's mm-hmm. th- people, forget, people forget that's part of the process. Like, yeah. I want that. Well, what do you think that person did to get there? And that's the, inter- that's the interesting part is because I've had people all the time because they know we played together, Georgia, they know we're friends. And they said, how did Pollock just get on game day just like that? And for me, I knew the, I knew the journey. I knew the stuff that you did because I remember watching you doing stuff here and there. And I was like, it's similar to ball. You got to work your way up. Just like in anything in life, not just sports. We, you know, we relate a lot of stuff to sports because that's what's kind of taught us. But at the end of the day, it's life. Life yep. has taught you that you got to take certain steps and you need certain people. And I think a lot of people will get a lot out of hearing. You had a guy like Kirk Herbstreet who was just 
going through a show and he happened to see you on a show and then boom, that sparked it. And I try to tell kids all the time, you never know when that one moment is or when that one play is or when that one situation is. So why not give it your best every time that you're out? So I love the fact that- Hey, and so, so if I didn't give my best on that show, and I was up there, man. Fox SEC Grid on live. This sucks. Hey, you know and anybody Kirk, watching? Yeah. And Kirk and Kirk Watt and Kirk flipped through the channel. Kirk would have never thought anything about it. He'd been like, oh, he don't even care about what he's doing. But he was like, I could tell you had passion and energy and you love the sport. He was like, I yeah. love that I could feel your energy. Yeah. So when you get that opportunity, no matter who's watching, it doesn't matter. Like, and and, and I used to have my pump-up song. Everybody got pump-up songs. Like, I, I ain't the one for pump-up songs. Mine was audience <laughs> of one. Yeah, that was my pump up song. It's a slow Christian song, but yeah. it was like literally I play for an audience of one. I'm not playing for everybody else. I'm playing for an audience. I'm playing for you and it's, I'm giving you everything I got. Gotcha. I love that, man. You know what? Uh, I would love to know because I'm a guy who, you know, obviously uh, we're all in TV, we're in broadcast, but you mentioned it. The biggest show on TV that people watch every Saturday that can't wait to turn it on is college game day. I would love you kind of pull the curtain back and kind of tell people what it's like first for you to have to prepare for a show like that. That's, you know, four hours long or whatever it is. And what it's like to be on that stage week in and week out. And everybody looks at like, Oh, he's got the greatest job ever. He's at all these different cool places, meet all these cool people, but kind of pull the curtain back and kind of tell people what it's like leading up to it. And then what it's like to actually do freaking college game day. Well, it's it's obviously it's obviously sweet, and we get to go to to one of the best games every week in college football, and you get to see all the different towns, the different atmospheres, different fan bases. Because we you know we played in the SEC, we saw the SEC. Um, so right. to go visit Alton Stadium and to go visit you know um, all the different places all across the country with this job, it's been really cool to see the traditions and stuff like that. Um, but listen you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I don't have to watch a ton of tape if I don't want to, but if I want to know exactly what I'm talking about and if I want it to be my opinion and I want it to be genuine, then I need to watch it and I need to figure out what I think about it, not what Joe Blow, who writes columns, thinks about it. So right. I think you can put in whatever you want to get out of it, but, man, it, it's a fun show. Uh, it's very different than most shows on television, especially nowadays. Nowadays, there's a lot of arguing. There's a lot of yelling. Uh, there's a lot of cursing. Uh, you get you get more political stuff than you get. Dude, you know when you turn into our show, man, you're going to talk football. You're yeah. going to talk matchups. You're going to talk conferences. You're going to talk coaches. You're going to have coaches on the show. You're going to have players on the show. Like, I think that's why people love our show because they know exactly what they're getting every week, and it's, it's just football. So yeah. it's fun. It, it's been fun. Listen, I, I had Chris Fowler to start and Aaron Andrews to start, and they're gone. And now – you know, Reese Davis comes in and fills in. And, you know, we've had different people come across and Bears been added and all kinds of different dynamics change. But you're talking about four hours every week to talk football. And it, it's a blessing. It's, it's an awesome opportunity to have fun and, you know, go. To, and, and I think you're going to realize this, too, the more you do this. Coach Corso always says it. We're, like anybody can get a stat. Mm -hmm. We're not in the stat business. Like, give me your personality. Like, that's mm -hmm. what people want. People want fun your personality. They want to be entertained. They mm -hmm. remember more Tom Rinaldi features and yeah. Gene Wojciechowski features and yeah. moments in the show when we busted each other's balls or moments in the show. They don't remember these analytical tapes that we do. Oh, watch this, man. Let me tell you, let me show you how smart I am. You yeah. know, cover two of the soft spot is the seven throw seven. <laughs> out right here. I, I mean, I think 
like Kirk taught me that the most and Kirk and coach has taught me that big time is, you know, this is about entertainment and, and fun. And so I think that our show is, is unique in that. And we do a little bit different, well, different things, but I don't think it's necessarily like it's, it's never negative. It's always positive and it's always football and it's always, you know, just fun with fans that enjoy the game. And this year was different, but the fans, man, they come out in groves and stuff that makes it, it makes it even cooler. I love the fact that you're still encouraging others. And I mean, others as in myself, uh, I remember, I don't know if it was last year, this year, maybe, maybe one time I just got a random text from you. You were watching one of my games or something. And you said, dude, you're actually pretty good at this. You're, you know, you're crushing it. And for me, you know, we think, you know, sometimes we don't know who's watching. We don't know what's going on. And you could have easily just saw it and just kept going on about your business. But you text me and took the time to do that. And I appreciate that because, you know, people see guys at your stage or your level and doing it at that level and say, okay, these guys are kind of untouchable. And I remember early in the season, I said, hey, Polly, I want to get you on the podcast. You said, anytime, whatever you need. The text that you sent about, hey, you're doing a good job, bro. It kind of kind of gave me something like, you know what, maybe I am doing something right. Let's keep going what I'm doing. So I appreciate uh, you still being who you are. Um, you've always been this same guy since we came in in 01. Uh, so I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, before we let you get out of here, bro, I want to ask you about obviously the big game, uh, big game coming up, Natty Championship. We got Ohio State. We got Alabama, two powerhouses. Um, I'm sure everybody's expecting Alabama to boat race it, similar to how everybody's expected Clemson to win. But obviously, we know you got to play the ball game. Kind of give uh, the fans and the viewers a little something, to, maybe a nugget to watch during the game. And uh, what are you expecting? Well, I tell you what, offenses are way ahead of defenses. And I don't expect this to be any different. I think this is going to be playing. Everybody plays Madden, playing Madden on exhibition <laughs> mode, bro. Like, <laughs> you, you, just, you just might as well get used to it. You're going to make great plays. You got receivers. You got quarterbacks. You got running backs. You got skill all over the field with yeah. great systems, two of the best three play callers in all of college football. Um, so I, I expect it to be a track meet. I expect it to be a lot of fun. I expect mm -hmm. it to be a lot of offense. Uh, you know, a couple things. You know, I think Ryan Day and, and Ohio State have found who they are. They're yeah. a power run team and play action and take shots. Like, I think early in the season they wanted to be a, a Justin Fields team and throw it around and need to do a great job. But once we got to Indiana, we had some hurdles. And Northwestern, we had some hurdles. And I think you put him in a role of letting him let the play action eat, let Sermon eat. I mean, Sermon didn't have over 13 carries until the Northwestern game. And now you're starting to see, like, he's Dude, the feature guy. He's an animal. So yeah. I think that, that makes this offense even more dangerous. And then Alabama, I mean, it's stupid. It pisses me off, honestly, because I watch them, and, and I'm a defensive guy, and, and I want answers. Like, I want to watch the tape and go, okay, I can take that away by doing this. Okay, then they do this. And then I can take that away by doing this. And but then, then they, they do, do that. It. it pisses me <laughs> off, man, because I'm like, dude, I got nothing. And, and, yeah. and such a magical job with Sarkeesian of, of short motions and motion to see what coverage they're in. Okay, I, they're in man. Like, oh, now we'll stack behind each other. And stack releases are annoying because you can't get your hands on people. Um, and then, by the way, you know, we're going to take away the pass, the big plays. Now you get a, a mouthful of 6'3", 230, uh, Najee Harris running Najee, down your throat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean – you know, it, it's, it's, it's like a, it's an equivalent to baseball. You know, you want to take away the fastball with an offense and make them do something they don't like. Well, you, you take away the run game, they can throw it and get explosives. You take away the throw game, the deep throw game. Okay, I'll throw it short to Devontae Smith. By the way, 
if Devontae Smith played two-hand touch versus Notre Dame, he still scored three touchdowns and had over 100 yards receiving. No they doubt. couldn't even get two hands on him. No so, doubt. I mean, just great systems, great skill. Uh, I think Alabama has a little bit more defense when it comes to Sertan and, and Malachi Moore and the safeties, I think, are a little bit more athletic. Um, but remember, this is the same defense that gave up over 40 against Florida. They're going to get shredded. Like, I, yeah. I think we're looking at 40-something, 40-something, yeah. like fun, entertaining, back and forth. Um, but I, I think the tempo game for Ohio State will be critical. They were really good against Clemson, getting the line of scrimmage, running the play fast. Ole Miss did it to Alabama, killed them early in the season. Uh, and then Ryan Day slowed the tempo down a little bit. So mixing up tempos with Alabama will be good. But we're looking at if you like points, which most of y'all do, I think the rules <laughs> should be changed, by the way. I'm sick and tired of this bogus bull crap that they let – guys block three yards or five yards down the field and it's just it's all skewed to offense and I know we want points and all that stuff I like great defense too I wouldn't mind seeing a great defensive game occasionally yeah oh man I mean I love the fact you mentioned this stuff about Bama's offense because I get the question all the time you come into a game versus Alabama you know they want to go deep with Devontae you know this but how come every single ball game he finds a way to get behind your defense and I tell people exactly what you just said Sarkeesian does such a good job of changing the look for the defense, putting them in stack, putting them in the slot, put them outside. They move around so much. The defense cannot, it just cannot be right every single time. So I'm glad you mentioned it, man. It's going to be an exciting ball game. I'm looking forward to that. Um, last thing I know I said last thing, but I want to ask you, obviously I would love you to talk about your family. You talk about Lindsay. Uh, I know your little guy, you're coaching. Uh, you, you got the peewee football team going. Uh, just talk we about rolling. your family for a minute, man. Talk Titans, about, your, baby. Talk about your family, man, and, and, and talk about some of the things that uh, people don't know maybe that Pollock's doing when he's not on TV, and I know you're passionate about it. Russ told me about it. My little guy just started playing football this year. And uh oh how old? He's eight. He's eight. Because, look, okay. when the pandemic started, Russ was like, you need to bring him down here. You need to let us play because y'all were looking for people to play. So I know you're passionate about it, but uh, just talk about your family and, and By all the way, stuff that's going on. If you want to get him right, you need to bring him over here. You need to do that. <laughs> you need to do – hey, you you would be blown away, homie. Like, on my 10U team, we run jet read. We no run way. power read. No we way. run zone read. Oh, and, they no, read we run, and they actually read it. Yes, we run slot fade. We run nah. – like, we, we run we – run we, can, we can run so much because we really do a good job teaching these kids. But I, I'll tell you this pertaining to that. Nicholas is 12. Um, nothing like daddy. Everything like mommy, um, <laughs> built like mommy, mindset like mommy, uh, long spider arms like his mom. He's, yeah. he's five. He's about, he's a 12. He just turned 12. He's five, six and has like an almost six foot wingspan. Like long. Sheesh. Yeah. Runs like a baby deer, like <laughs> clunky and all over the place. Yeah. Um, by the way, smart as a whip, bro. Like mm. he, he had, he had six picks this year in our football season. By, he sees, yeah. He sees everything. Like he sees. Hey. He doesn't. He's he's really. Where you got him playing on defense? Where are you at? He plays every position, depending on formation. <laughs> hey, depending on formation, he'll be a linebacker, a safety, a corner. Like oh, literally. Man. I mean, he's 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 got a really good football brain. He'll watch TV and he'll be like, "Hey, Daddy, we could." He stole a play from the Mississippi State game. He stole a play. He was like, "Daddy, we could run that at a red split, and no we way. could run." We ran to the next game. And we scored a touchdown. But no it was, it was not, so he's got a good brain for it. Very different than me. Baby girl's an animal. She's she's just like me, dude. Like, oh, if Leah. she loses, it's not her fault. It wasn't her <laughs> fault. Like, she, she should have won. But, she um, did her job. 10, 
But I, I coach her in basketball. It might be my favorite thing to coach is girls basketball. And we full court press the whole game. Like, oh, make life you're putting miserable. that pressure on them. Oh, man, put that pressure on them. But, man, it, it's – I love coaching. And, and the last thing, man, is I'll coach at some point, and it's just a matter of where. Yeah. Um, but right now, for me, the coaching my kids is, is I want to be a big part of their lives and everything they're doing. And then once once they get out of there, I think um, – you know, I talk to college coaches about it all the time. I talk, and I, I work with a, a local high school right here, Prince, and and help them a little bit, and gonna keep helping them. So I think, you know, definitely uh, coaching will be on the future, man. I, I know you had a lot of good time with your dad in, in coaching and him coaching yeah. you, man. Yeah, man, it was fun times. I I never been more nervous this year. My little guy playing his first uh, uh, full contact, and it was cool because usually it was his first year playing, so he's eight, and I knew. Uh, I wasn't going to be able to be there. If we didn't have the pandemic, I wouldn't be able to see his first ball. Game. I wouldn't be able to put his pads on because obviously I'm going on, yep. you know, Thursday, Friday, getting ready for my game or whatever it is. So I wouldn't ever see it. But because of the pandemic, I was able to be here and see his first couple ball games. And I tell you, man, it's nothing like that feeling. How'd he do? Oh, man, he did good. They won a championship. Uh, did he like Did he like contact oh, or? Oh, he loves contact. Loves contact. Yeah, he's, baby. He's all in on it. So, uh it's it's fun, man. I, I I'm I'm with you on that. But um, hey, let me give you some advice, though, bro. I beat the crap out of mine all the time. Both of mine. Both mine of my too. kids. My wife hey. hate it. Oh yeah, yeah. Portia don't like that. Uh, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> my, my, Lindsay don't like it either. So I've always I've always like slapped him and punched him. And Nicholas is 12 now, and he's finally getting a little strength to him and stuff. Oh, he bowing up a little bit. He ain't ready for that yet. But I'm sitting there, <laughs> I'm sitting there on the counter. And I was leaning over and I was texting and my phone. And he came behind me and went, pop, right on my back. And I was uh, like, ooh. And I, I, looked at him, I was like, I was like, bro, I felt that a little bit. I said, <laughs> I said you're starting to get a little something, something. But uh, no, nah, it's it's man, it's the best. It's parenting is is so cool, man. It's just, just so much fun being a part of their lives and co- coaching them's even even better. No Hopefully doubt. you got a good good situation, a good coach and stuff too, because that makes a big difference. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. That was the number one thing I had to have. But man, we're gonna let you get out of here, bro. I just want to say I appreciate you, man. Obviously, I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on, preparing for the national championship. But I appreciate you taking a little time for your boy uh, and uh, dropping some gems on the people, man. Because I think a lot of people will get a lot of what you said, and I think it's worth hearing from a guy like yourself who's been through the ups and downs, and now you're still prospering being successful so from one guy to another man from your boy i appreciate you taking the time three uh, triple threat baby being part of it baby all right Polly man appreciate you joining the triple threat podcast my man david Polly came through i appreciate it and uh love you man and uh stay safe brother love you too big dog see you Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.